1: as we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme as we are edging closer and closer to Christmas as my good mother my late mother would have said uh, a week out like this she'd say oh this time next week it'll be all over by the shouting and she used to drive me nuts uh, anyway we're getting ready for Christmas bit by a bit and talking of getting ready for Christmas can I say thank you to Margaret in Donaway lovely package arrived in the post this morning and enclosed were, were little Christmas decorations that she sent on for Marsha, my daughter and they're very tactile so for a little deafblind girl she'll be able to feel them and make them out and they're just gorgeous they're really lovely so just to acknowledge Margaret that they arrived safe and sound and I really appreciate your kindness in remembering her at Christmas thank you, thank you for that. Now yesterday on the programme we were discussing insurance and car insurance and a text came in at the end of the programme that I didn't get a chance to mention and it made me smile so I said I'll hold that over and it's worth mentioning tomorrow morning and it was a listener who doesn't put a name on the text but it's just showing how silly really some of the rules regarding insurance can be and she said on car insurance I wanted to take my ex-husband off my car insurance when my car came up for renewal he was on he had been added to it free when they were married as a named driver but Didn't want him on it. He was out of my life. So I wanted him off my car insurance. So I was told it would cost 64 euro to take him off the insurance. So I left him on until this year. I told your man on the phone, I can't afford to take him off as I'm only on a small pension and every penny is accounted for weekly things like rent, ESB, food, etc. I actually ended up in tears on the phone to the guy I was talking to at the car insurance company. Lo and behold, he felt pity for me and with one click of the mouse my ex was deleted. If only I could do that with my ex him from my life wouldn't that be good. <laughs> but, uh, it just made me smile the way uh, the click of a button you can give it to somebody but... um. But isn't it a crazy anomaly that that can happen that you, somebody gets added onto the car insurance and they don't charge you anything but just to have the name removed on a renewal not even to have it removed in the middle of the year and suddenly your insurance policy it's going to cost you €64. Euro. It, it, it seems absolutely nuts and we know that car insurance over the last number of years, has continued to rise, and there's a, there's a a lot of people not happy at all about the premiums that they're getting in. As I keep saying to people, do not accept the premium that you receive from the your company. Loyalty to your car insurance company is something is certainly a thing of the past. Start ringing around, start shopping around, get onto brokers. If you've access to the internet, get onto the internet set aside a bit of time. It might take you a couple of hours but honest to God it'll be a couple of hours well spent because there are savings to be made. And staying on the insurance topic something that happened yesterday kind of baffled me and then it's all over the papers today and this is to do with the creches. You know we were talking about the creches and how worried creche owners are because of the rising cost of their insurance and there's a real fear that some creches may not open after Christmas. And where is that going to leave families who rely on the creches to drop their kiddies off in the morning and then go off to work? And some people rely on creches for aftercare facilities because they work longer hours than the school day. So they rely on the creche to pick their children up, do a homework club with them and then pick them up in the evening. So there's a bit of a worry for a lot of families not alone, the crash owners will be out of business and their workers will be out of jobs. So there's been a big sort of a push for the government to intervene and help out creche owners. So the teacher came out yesterday and he ruled out any kind of state subsidies. He was in the doll yesterday. He was quite clear uh, he said it was it was a situation. He said it was a situation that was under control but he said there was no way that he was giving state subsidies to cover insurance costs. And last week when we spoke about this somebody I thought, one of our listeners I thought made a very valid point in saying surely if the government intervene and starts handing out money to help the creche owners while everyone has sympathy for the creche owners, surely every other business will be able to come forward. I mean haven't We've spoken this year with nightclub owners who've been forced to close because of insurance companies. Would they not have a claim? Could they not say, well, look, you helped out the creche owners. Can you help out the nightclub owners? And then you're going to have the outdoor play centres and the indoor play centres. We've had to close because of our insurance costs. Can you help us out? Next will be cafe owners that are going to be forced to close because somebody comes in and trips on the mat on the way in and decides to put in a big claim against the coffee shop and suddenly the coffee shops are under pressure with insurance. And on and on it Go So, I heard the Taoiseach saying yesterday, not ruling out subsidies. Then lo and behold, the Children's Minister, Catherine Sapone, makes this announcement of a one-off payment, which is going to be paid to childcare providers. They will receive a payment. It's going to average one thousand five hundred, and it's to deal with the extra insurance. Now, she's also added in that they've got extra admin costs, so it's to deal with that uh, as well. Now, this criticism of it, with many people saying, "Is this not using taxpayers' money to subsidise what is already highly profitable?" Insurance companies. Catherine Sapone uh, made this announcement yesterday. Now, when I heard it first, I thought it was everyone was getting 1,500, all the owners, but it's not. That's just the average figure. Pascal Donoghue, the finance minister, he says that the cost of the package that Catherine Sapone announced would be $7 million euro. But he was saying that the money is coming from her budget. It isn't additional funds coming from the Exchequer. It's money that's already in the Department for Children. Pascal Donahue described it as very proportionate and a targeted response. And he did add that it will ensure that creches will remain open in the new year. And I think that's the message that parents certainly want to hear. He indicated that there will be no further financial support by the government. but the But what's confusing me and other people is It it is financial support at a time when Leo Varadkar said it would be reckless, totally reckless to do it. So I don't, is one side of the government not talking to the other side of the government? Now the payment is in response to up to 1,300 childcare providers. They're affected by soaring insurance premiums. This was after an underwriter by the name of Ironshore. They withdrew from the Irish market, which now means that there is only one insurance company dealing with creche owners. So obviously, I'm assuming they feel they can charge what they like. I mentioned yesterday that we heard of one insur one creche owner whose premium last year, f- for this year, was €3,000. She got her premium in from the 1st of January. If she wants to open the doors of her creche after Christmas, €9,000. So to go from 3000 to 9000 And by the way, she didn't have a claim. Didn't make any sense at all to me. Anyway, so Catherine Spohn yesterday had... It was like Santa Claus coming early to creche owners and to the parents. Let's not let's not say that this is all about the creche owners because it is about the parents as well. The payments will be issued on the twenty eighth of December. They will range from one thousand five hundred euro, but they'll go up in some cases for the bigger creche owners to twenty six thousand euro. Um, it's going. It it is. It, it depends on. The number of children being cared for, whether they're part-time or whether they're full-time. And obviously Catherine Spohn was outlining all of this at the Children's uh, Committee. And she did say that part of the payment is also going to cover the extra admin cost which childcare providers have had to undergo this year, because remember all the stricter regulations came in. And that was a follow-on from the expose on on prime time on RTE. So there's much stricter guidelines now. And obviously that comes with it, a lot of paperwork, so she's allowing... Some kind of a payment uh, for that as well. But is this just a sticking plaster? And, and, you know, we've a lot of people and particularly a lot of people in opposition in government are saying that we are subsidising a highly profitable insurance company. And will the said same insurance companies next year, this time next year when they're sending out the premiums, will they decide, well, look what happened last year. The government ran scared because they don't want a situation where you've got parents saying we can't go to work after Christmas. The knock on effect to probably every single industry in the country would be huge if all the creches closed down. So to well, the insurance company, will they will they not be smart? They're in it to make money at the end of the day. Will they not come back and say we'll up the premiums again and the government will do what they did last year. They'll bail out the creche owners. I, you know, I can see why Catherine Sapone is doing it but I also have to stop and think when the, th- th- the Taoiseach earlier said that it would be a reckless decision for the state to cover insurance costs uh, for creches. So, uh, yeah, I'm a bit perplexed by it all, and I welcome your thoughts and comments. Are you with Catherine Sapone and saying no? It's the right thing to do. Or is it just a sticking plaster over a situation that still has not been sorted? We need to get the insurance industries who are make an industry who are making huge profits. We need to get a grip on the insurance company because the insurance company at the moment they are the ones with the grip on this entire country no matter from your house insurance to your car insurance to your travel insurance to your health insurance something has to ha- happen because something is going to give eventually the government can't keep bailing out different sectors 1850 coming up on the programme this morning We're going to hear a plea from a local councillor who wants Transport Infrastructure Ireland to fund repairs on roads in the East Cork area. The East Cork area is an area that's seen a huge increase in transport and vehicles in the last number of years and it's on roads that were never designed for the type of traffic that's on them at the moment, particularly around some of the lovely pretty little villages in East Cork and that's very unfair then if you've got very badly damaged roads. It's very unfair on people people who live there and have to travel on these roads every day. And it's a cost factor to those families. Obviously, they're doing damage to their car or they're constantly having punctures or blowing out tyres, etc. So we'll chat with that councillor on the programme today. The Environmental Protection Agency offering advice to all of us on how not to waste food this Christmas. I know it is probably impossible to say that you will survive the Christmas period without throwing some type of waste food into the bin so let's see if we can do our bit and can we cut down on the amount of waste food I mean one of the obvious ones is for all of us to not buy as much and I know if you're anything like me I always kind of get a sense of panic on Christmas Eve have I everything in do I have enough which is a kind of a stupid thing because while okay all shops will close Christmas Day and many will close on Stevens's Stephen's Day But they'll certainly all be open then on the 27th. So technically, you could have 48 hours without access to a shop. And you probably won't because after Christmas Day, on St Stephen's Day, garages will be open, corner shops will be open. There will, all, there will be shops open. It's just the largest supermarkets and the largest stores probably won't open on St Stephen's Day. Others will because there'll be, there'll be sales on and everything. So technically it's only really one day. So, you know, but, but I get this sense of panic on Christmas Eve. I just can't explain it. It's, and it's an absolutely irrational uh, fear, particularly if I'm having guests if I'm having visitors and I have a houseful for Christmas this year, not just for Christmas Day. I have a houseful for a full week. Uh, Looking forward to it, but it brings with it its own stresses and and strains. But I'm really, really trying to restrain myself this year and I am making a shopping list. And seemingly they say that is one of the greatest ways is to make a shopping list. Now my big thing about making the shopping list is to make sure I don't forget anything, but it's when I go to the stores I have to make sure I stick to the shopping list. Can't guarantee I'll do that, but I really am going to do my bit. So we'll listen to the EPA with their words of advice today. We'll hear from a Cork GP who is saying the South Dock service is stumbling from crisis to crisis. Have you a story to tell us about South Dock? Did you contact South Dock? Did you have to wait a long period of time? are are you one of the other people who said South Dock working fantastic rang was in there sorted back home uh, and everything was great let us know your thoughts on South Dock please a member of Angarda Shia Kona, will join us for Crime File and then Jane Pickett will do our final pet slot for 2019 she'll answer all your pet questions and she'll also offer advice about keeping all the pets safe around Christmas this year when I mentioned earlier the text that I'd received in yesterday from the listener who wanted to get her ex taken off the car insurance there was a cost involved and she ended up getting quite upset on the phone and the guy t- felt sorry for her and uh, at, with a click of a mouse her, hu- her ex was deleted from her car insurance policy and she said if only it would be easy in life at a click of a mouse to get rid of your, your, uh, your ex uh, Somebody by WhatsApp says Amen sister It costs the same as a wedding to get rid of your ex but you don't get any presents <laughs> I give that On House Insurance Audrey says My house insurance Is up on the 1st of January So I went to pay it And I just happened To say over the phone That the best you can do and they came the, <laughs> straight the and said, oh, OK, let's take a look, take a look. And Audrey got 43 euro off. And that was sticking with the same insurance company. Just simply asking that question. Is that the best you can do? Well done, Audrey. And the 43 euro is better off in your pocket than lining the pockets of the insurance company. And Leanne to our Twitter at C103 Cork says there is a bad pothole on the Spa Road in Mallow. It's coming from the Spa sal- side just before you turn up the Muddy Hill very very busy area the best at times keep a lookout for that and if there is rain and it gets wet and it fills up and it's dark you don't always see that pothole and it will do a lot of damage to your car so it's on the Spa Road in Mallow coming from the Spa side just before the turn up to Muddy Hill thank you Leanne for that to Twitter at uh, C103 cork
0: we're playing all your favorite christmas hits after 1pm on c103 with your local mace going the extra smile this christmas at the most wonderful time of the year Cork Today on C103
2: With Cork City Council and Glow A Cork Christmas celebration Food markets, Ferris wheel And a fun festive park on the Grand Parade Visit Glow Open every weekend until Christmas
3: Hi, Simon here As you know, Cork has a host of local and world class brands And it's a great
1: place for shopping This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork.
2: Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone.
1: Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Now a local East Cork councillor is calling on Transport Infrastructure Ireland to fund road repairs for local roads damaged by continuous problems on the N25. councillor James O'Connor joins me. Good morning to you James. Good morning Patricia. Uh, and you're, you're welcome to the programme. Now which roads do you really want to draw attention to? So
4: it's... Very complicated. They, it, it's, we, there's a mixture of roads that have been heavily affected by the roadworks on the N25. So, for our listeners, the N25, of course, is the main thoroughfare between uh, Waterford and County uh, and Cork City, and it runs through through the um, town, just outside of the town, and uh, past Middleton as well. So, there's two small villages there of Killa and Castle Martyr, which are actually have not been bypassed yet. There's there's hopes that we can get Castle Martyr done in the near future. But basically, we had a situation in 2016 uh, where the road flooded um, on the N25, and all of a sudden, you had thousands upon thousands of cars, trucks, agricultural vehicles, and HGVs were coming off the N25 and going on to a local road network. Of course, TII then have responsibility to transfer infrastructure Ireland, which would have been the NRA, I suppose, previous to its current name, um, as now a separate agency. They look after all the national roads in terms of giving funding, providing repairs and upgrades to the road network.
5: So this isn't
1: the responsibility of the council?
4: So the National Road Network is the responsibility of TII, and the yeah. local road network is the responsibility of the of the of the county council. Okay. And unfortunately what we happened was because of serious problems uh with the National Road uh, the N twenty five between Kill Castle and Martyr it has led to a massive damage being done to the local road network in terms of the road strength and surface and the surrounding drainage. The very small local roads, um, but they actually took the full brunt of, of the, the road closures. And subsequently, in Patricia, of course, we had very heavy roadworks that were going on for a number of years in Kila and Castle Martyr on the N25 for pavement upgrades and strengthening in the villages. So the local roads really are in a shocking condition. All around those two villages, so Ladies Bridge, Castle Marker, Killah, and Martyr, Killa and um, they're particularly hard, uh, badly hit and they're between uh, Middleton Town and Yawd. So I'm asking for TAI to actually contribute towards the repair of those roads rather than asking the local community to fork out their own money to pay for community involvement schemes, which many of your listeners will be familiar is one of the main ways in order to get a road repair. This
1: is where the community come up with part of the funding.
4: Yes, about 15%. So I think it's extremely unfair to have to expect... Well, to well it is it. in
1: the way you've outlined it that the, these roads got damaged and it wasn't the fault of local people.
4: Exactly. And, you know, it's just it, to put it into perspective for people, we did a traffic management survey as part of the feasibility study for the bypass in Castle Martyr, uh, or the, the, the relief road in Castle Martyr, uh, over the last couple of months. And we found the results to be absolutely extraordinary. Just... Over half a million vehicles are going up and down Castle and Archer on the N25, is, 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 I think it was 514,000 vehicles per month. So that just gives you a scale of how much traffic was going up and down small local roads. Like there was grass in the middle of these roads now just to give listeners an idea. Yeah, I what mentioned what this
1: earlier when I was teeing up that you were coming on the programme, James. We're talking about roads that were never, ever built or designed to take this volume of traffic.
4: Exactly, and they're they're, they're quite small. They're designed for just a couple of cars for the local residents and the local houses, and all of a sudden, they found themselves overnight in an onslaught where... Their, the, the road outside, their small road outside their home became the, the main the main, the main, road from, from Cork to Waterford for a number of weeks while the flooding went on. But unfortunately, it just took a couple of weeks to do that damage. You know, the damage has been, has has, has actually stayed there uh, because of what happened with the roadworks as well. People became familiar with, with those side roads and mm-hmm. continued to use them. Uh, and unfortunately, the situation there now is not good. I've been down there myself and, like, it's not, even after getting minor road repairs done, I've been fighting hard to get those done for a long time. I'd at the same time, it's, it's still, um, it's, it's, they're still in need of full resurfacing, which is very, very expensive. And then Cork County Council have to pay out the money to do that. And I think that's unfair because TII are responsible for this problem, in my opinion. I brought this up with the, at, our, at our Roads and Transport strategic, the strategic Policy Committee in Cork County Council, which I sit on, and I got the full support. And unfortunately, we were told that day, Patricia, that East Cork Municipal Area, which I represent, Middleton and Yall and Cork County Council, uh, unfortunately, we the worst roads in County Cork or one of, one of the worst municipalities. Well, in well,
1: County Cork. wow. Uh, yeah, I think people living in the area certainly won't be surprised by that. And you've got local people then having to put up with these roads, which I'm assuming causing damage to some of their cars.
4: It is, you know, that we saw that actually a hideous amount of money has been paid over Cork County Council in terms of claims for damage. Now, I have to be, I suppose, I, I don't want to be critical all the way at the local authority. To be fair, the upper management in, in the county council have been doing extraordinary work with the level of funding that they have, where there has been a substantial reduction in funding that they have previ- that, that they had previously. We've been working hard to make a case to increase that because we know that we actually get the lowest funding per linear metre um, in the country and as as for any local. Authority. I know it is the biggest county, but at the same time, a kilometre of tarmac is a kilometre of tarmac, um, you know. And I think it's, we're not getting our fair share of funding um, from the exchequer. But to be fair to the, to the head engineers and county hall, they've been very, very good to deal with. But unfortunately, I find myself in a situation where I got elected in May and I have to, to deal with this issue because we have, the, as I said, we have the worst roads in County Cork in, in the middle of the municipal area. So we were Do you know that. has
1: it ever happened before that the TII? Gave funding and put their hands up and said, yeah, the reason for the damage to your road was because of what happened to one of our roads.
4: Pa- pardon, Patricia, I missed
1: Do you know if there's a precedent there? Has the TII ever come out and funded roads that's not under their remit, which is what you're asking them to do, but you're what? asking them to do it because technically the roads are damaged because of roads under their remit?
4: Yes, so we know that we actually back in twenty sixteen after the flooding did did make minor contributions.
1: Oh, did they? That. Okay, all right, all right. Just place it in there. Okay, um, keep in, Let us know how you get on. i will be i be really interested just, to follow up on this. And just before we let you go, um, you were telling John Paul there about Irish Rail moving their depot out of Cork City.
4: Yes, so yesterday it is a this bit of a good news story. It's Christmas time, so I want to finish on a positive. Yesterday we were, we were, we were at, the, at the CAST committee, which is the, the, the committee which is between Cork County Council and City Council about strategic planning in the metropolitan area of Cork and further afield so the county towns that surround Cork City. Now, they were on about the, the need for improvement for, for, for our public transport system, and particularly the rail line came up between um, I suppose for discussion between Mallow uh, and Cork. I was raising this with Councillor Pat Hayes and Mallow and Councillor... Murphy, we're working on this, but basically, there's going to be they're going to be moving the depot um, under the new metro, the, the, the new transport plan for Cork um, City out of Kent Station, and they hope to do that. So, Irish Rail, in the in, in, I suppose in, in the medium term, are going to be looking for a new location for their depot. At present, they can only hold eight train sets at the station in Kent in terms of storage for maintenance, uh, as well as for overnight storage, and they're going to need to expand that to cater for future rail demand by up to three times to over 21 um, train sets to be stored. So, I'm asking Irish Rail, along with my, the councillors in the Mallow area, Pat Hayes and the Road Murphy, for Irish Rail to consider locating their new depot between Mallow and Buttevant or in that general area, because it's a very suitable site. It's going to bring much needed jobs to the region. And, you know, as a general election candidate for Cork East, it is a very big priority for me. There's an opportunity here, Patricia, um, to, to actually, to, 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 secure this for Mallow. If we and can I,
1: I assume, James, that the depot has to be close enough to Cork City.
4: Exactly, it has to be within 35 minutes of, of a rail journey. So Mallow, of Interior would fall just within that remit. And obviously then you need to have your suitable topography in terms of land um, for, for an actual depot because it will take up quite a, a large uh, spa- area space. So perhaps derelict sites around the Mallow, of Interior that are close to the rail line could be considered but I'm going to be writing to the CEO of Irish Rail and to the Minister for Transport and you know I'm committed to, to delivering jobs to that region of Cork East primarily because it had a very difficult time in, in, in recent years uh, and I know and I'm, I'm very sensitive to, 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 to that issue as a general election candidate for Fianna Fáil and Cork East
1: And who, who, who will make that decision? Is it Irish Rail themselves?
4: So basically, what we heard yesterday, and it's important to say that this plan that we have for Cork to in, to, to improve our public transport all comes down to funding. So we need greater a bit greater money from the, the exchequer to be given to the Department of Transport in order to carry out some of the brilliant ideas, such as the expansion of rail services throughout the metropolitan area. So Irish Rail will do it, but only on the back of being funded by the state. Right, uh, okay. Yeah. East, so the situation where they're they're nearly actually insolvent, Patricia, but definitely something going forward because the plan is now there we can make a case for it and look I'm determined to deliver
1: this for the Mano okay. area could be a good news story okay listen thank you Absolutely. for that James and a happy Christmas to you as well thanks for joining us uh, good morning to you that is uh, Fianna Fall, a councillor uh, in East Cork James O'Connor 1850 333103 lines open
0: Cork Today on C103
2: with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the ground and parade. Open every weekend until Christmas. Every Friday, we're counting down to the weekend. The weekend. By turning up the Feel Good.
0: C103's Feel Good Friday brings you six hours of Feel Good greatest hits.
2: Join Nick Richards from One and Martina O'Donoghue from Four
0: as we get you weekend ready. Weekend ready.
2: Turning up the feel-good for cork. For cork. Every Friday from 1.
0: Feel-good Friday, only on C103. Now, the EPA, in a
1: recent survey, found that the most wasted Christmas food in our homes are... Brussels sprouts at 32%, followed by meat at 30% and potatoes at 25%. The EPA know that Christmas is a time for celebrating, but reducing food waste is one of the most important uh, actions to take as we try to tackle climate change. Joining me is Odile LeBlanc from the EPA Stop Waste Food Survey. Good morning to you, Odile.
6: Good morning Patricia, how are you
1: today? I'm I'm very well and and you're welcome to the programme. Do we simply buy too much food every year at this time and that really is our problem?
6: Absolutely. To be honest we buy too much food all year round and you know the main reasons that we waste food is we buy too much and we don't use it on time and that happens all year round but in particular it's amplified at Christmas when we just lose the run of ourselves. Everything is just in case, you know, buy extra because we never know who's going to call.
1: And it's almost like we forget that the shops will reopen in a few days time.
6: Yeah, like that. And that, and that's, and that's the thing. And, you know, our message here is it, it's great. We're not trying to be a Grinch here. You know, be hospitable, have food for people, but maybe just don't stock up too much on food that will go off quickly. The perishable food, you know, the shops will reopen and you'll be able to stock up on things like milk and cream and all of that kind of thing, you know, Buy stuff that won't go off too quickly and when you are buying stuff, make sure, check the dates on it and make sure that it will last for when you're going to use it. Because a lot of people are probably going to do their Christmas shop this weekend maybe Mm. rather than, and Christmas is in the middle of the week. So just make sure when you are choosing your dates of products that they, they will stay fresh for that amount of time. Were you
1: surprised that it was Brussels sprouts were the most wasted or is that just simply down to most people don't like Brussels sprouts?
6: Yeah, I, I look, you know, we're guilty of it all the time. As kind of, well, you've got to have sprouts at Christmas. It's traditional. And sometimes maybe we just need to stop and think, like, do people actually like them? <laughs> so, and uh, you know, I know sometimes it's controversial. We were talking about this the other day as well. The same with potatoes, you know, like you do roasties and maybe some mash and, you know, then there's stuffing and you've probably had brown brown bread with your, you know, if you have smoked salmon to start with and, you know, we've all got our things that we like to eat and we have every year, this is what we do and what we're asking people to do maybe is, you know, just plan your menu and think about what was left over last year and this is part of the survey that we did was we were asking people, what did you find that you wasted and, you know, sometimes we're not even aware of it, it's just at the back of our head and if you actually stop and think about it and this is what people have come back and said, you know what, we wasted Brussels sprouts, so it's is really just to be conscious of the things Uh, that do enter... And then
1: meat coming in in second, I mean, that is probably the most expensive thing you buy.
6: Yeah, and you know, yes, again, this is kind of sometimes people maybe buy a, a whole turkey and they're only feeding two or three people. And you know, one way there is that, you know get a turkey crown is much easier to manage, or even just make sure that if if you do have leftovers, that you manage them properly, put them in the fridge or the freezer to keep them and have them later on in, in you know a couple of weeks time. And in fact, that was the other thing that we found that turkey sandwiches was the most um popular leftover <laughs> use rather than turkey curry, which. a lot of people talk
1: about. so <laughs> Because I, I was on your website yesterday I mean you have this luscious leftover recipe ideas on on your website.
6: Yes and look this, look, this is the thing there's typical foods that we all have that are leftovers and sometimes maybe people are just looking for different ideas of what they can do and in fact you know we've, we've called St Stephen's Day National Leftovers Day because it is the day when we all actually eat leftovers and cherish them you know yeah. people actually enjoy and look forward to them so it's a habit we'd like people to get into every day of the of the year. Is use your leftovers, but in particular on the 26th of December, we're saying this is the day when we all actually really like to have our turkey leftovers. So we've come up with some ideas and recipes that people can can try. But yet again, it looks as if people would just prefer to stick everything in the sandwich. it. and, have yeah.
1: and if that's what you want to do, then do it. But it's just Absolutely. we do. we, we, we want as yeah. little as possible going in uh, to the bin. Now, yeah. pl- It's all down to the planning. Isn't as well, uh, Odile, bringing your shopping list with you. And you yes. st- see, I see. I have my shopping list ready, but it's my problem. now is going to be sticking to the shopping sticking
6: list, sticking to your shopping list, and and that is a tough thing. And I think you know, there there's ways to get around that too. And um, sometimes, you know, when you do go into a shop, you get caught up with all the fresh stuff and say, "Oh, I never thought of that." But you know, really is be aware of what you do have at home, what you're going to eat. Have your list and go in and just be determined that you're not going to deviate from it. And you know, if you're not sure if you have something at home, sometimes it, and we recommend this all year round actually is take a picture of your of the inside of your fridge before you go shopping and then you have a record with you just to remember do you have like a liter of milk or not or that kind of thing and as we said, don't stock up too much on the perishables that'll go off quite quickly, so you know have some stuff and use leftovers to feed people if they, if they come call unexpectedly, which to be honest in this day and age doesn't happen very much yeah you yeah, know
1: that's true that's but if true.
6: people do, you, you're, you will not run out of food. There's always something left in the house to put together <laughs>
1: and don't be tempted to be tempted by the offers. I mean the bog off the buy one get one buy free buy one, get
6: one free, yeah, now in fairness shops don't do much of that anymore they do kind of you know buy three for a fiver you know rather than the buy one get one free which certainly didn't work for people where you're buying more of the same thing whereas you know you can make those buy three for a fiver type of ones work for you where you buy a variety of things rather than all of one thing but if you need them buy them as long as you're going to use them but you know it's not to get carried away with with them because if you're going to throw them away yet again it's not a special offer so it's great for your cleaning products and that kind mm, of thing. Terrific But for that. Not, not for fruit and but veg. But there are, there good are
1: very good offers at the moment on f- very cheap fruit and veg, to be honest. It's, it, it, I question sometimes how they can even be selling it uh, so cheap. I mean, you know, like pineapples for 49 cents. And we had that a few years ago where I think every single bin ended up with pineapples because people bought them because they were so cheap. And then well, what are we going to do with the pineapple?
6: And that's it, yeah, D- didn't know what to do with them, you know, or and maybe, you know, maybe they weren't, they were ripe too soon and all of that. So it's back to yet again, having a plan, know what you need. And, you know, if you're going to serve pineapple, fine. maybe, you know, serve it for breakfast, fine, buy it, avail of the special offer. But if you're not, you know, just resist the temptation to buy it just because it's cheap.
1: Yeah and then storing your food Uh, and I know we were speaking with uh, Safe Food uh, last week you know cleaning up the fridge and getting the fridge ready and storing everything in your fridge and consider freezing things
6: yeah and look at that that's a big thing you're going to need space in your freezer so start eating what you have in your freezer now to make room for it and not just use the 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 you know you need to clear it out as an excuse to throw away what's in there make sure that you do use it and when you do put stuff in your freezer label it so that you know what it is so that in a few months time you're not looking at this brown thing going i've no idea what that is anymore (laughs) you know and even if you're going to store leftovers store them in portion sizes rather than all in one go so that you don't yet then defrost a load of turkey that you have to eat. So, you know, it's better to box things up in smaller portions so that you can manage what's in there as well. And one thing, you know, from us talking to people about food waste people find quite useful is having a list kind of you know even on the front or the side of your freezer so that you know what's in there that you don't have to go in to look at what's in there and that can help you you know and then you've got like free food for the next month if you start to look in terms of meals and things like that that you can start working your way through so it's you know a lot of this is it involves a little bit of organization but once you get the time to do that then there's no stopping you (laughs) And, and you
1: and you will save money
6: but that's it yeah look we estimate that, you know people throw away about 700 euros worth of food every that's year incredible. and it all adds up I think you know people don't uh, are they're not really aware of it you're kind of vaguely aware that you throw away a bit of food and when I talk to people they always go oh yeah just a little bit not much but when you actually get people to look at it and even for a week keep a record of what you are throwing away and why and multiply people, that by 52 yeah, weeks yeah, yeah exactly and it just opens people's eyes you know and then when you are shopping you're, more, you're less likely to buy stuff that did get thrown away because, yeah. well, actually we didn't eat that so we're not going to buy it anymore. It's all about
1: awareness. Listen, um, Od- Odile, thank you for that and stopwastefood.ie is your website where they where they have those uh, luscious leftover recipe ideas as well. Uh, Odile, have a great Christmas. I know you yeah. won't waste any food but have a good one. No, and happy Christmas to
6: all your listeners as well, Patricia.
1: Okay, thank you for that. Bye-bye. Okay, that is bye-bye. Uh, Odile Leblanc, who joins us from the Environmental Protection Agency Stop Waste Food.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Text in from Mike who was listening to my piece with Odile from the Environmental Protection Agency just trying to get everybody not to waste food this Christmas. It's just the message about buying less so that you don't... Because if you buy less, you then won't end up with stuff that you didn't use and have to throw it away and use the freezer and all of that. Uh, Mike raises a, a good point. He says, Patricia... Do you ever think about people who have no religion and who do not believe in Christmas? So the 25th of December will be a normal working day for me and my wife. No Christmas dinners, no waste and no bull. And yes, we are happy. Kind regards from Mike and uh, Elena. Yeah, there's not many, I think, who don't celebrate Christmas. And I don't mean celebrate Christmas as in the Christian aspect of it, Mike. There's a lot of people will be sitting down as a family and getting together as a family and celebrating the 25th of December, not necessarily from a religious point of view. Uh, they celebrate and they've no religion or they they were not, had a religion that they no longer practice. So it isn't always about the religion. It should be. You're, you're absolutely right. If you want to celebrate Christmas, then it should be about the coming of Christ and it should be about religion. But that isn't the case. In, dare I say, a lot of households, and yet, people will still celebrate on that day. So, it isn't always about the religious side of it. Surprised to hear it'll be a normal working day if you don't know what you're working at, because the majority of businesses use the opportunity for everyone to close down. I think as well everybody closes down so that people can be with their families and people can travel uh, to be with their families. Uh, thank you for your text though to 0862103103. And talking of travelling home for Christmas, uh, regular listeners will know that one of my other big passions in life is about shopping local and supporting local and keeping local businesses going and if we don't use it we'll lose it and there's no point when something closes down and everyone bemoans the fact that a business has closed down and if you ask them when did you last use it Oh, I was probably there once or twice last year, and I was just suddenly, because they're gone, you suddenly see are all up in arms because the business is closed so we do those of us that live and work and play in rural Ireland we have to support the local businesses that are around us if we want to continue to live and work and play in rural areas so Bandon and Skibbereen Credit Union have come up with a shop local campaign video now I think they, they certainly I remember they did one last year as well but they've done a very clever one this year that they put up I saw it on their Facebook page last night and it's a video video campaign all to do with shopping local and it's the idea behind this little video is of a young woman who's meant to be on her way home to Skull and she starts off stopping along the way doing shopping in Bandon and Skipperine and then ending up in Skull and she's all of her bags of shopping and it shows lots of the different shops and what's on offer in those various towns. In West Cork, and the just the idea behind the the little video is just to draw attention to the fantastic variety of local stores that are in the area, and then asking people to stop and think: if you still have Christmas shopping to do, will you please try and make sure that you shop local? And of course, Credit Union in Skibbereen and Bandon point out that for every ten euro that we spend locally on an Irish product, that will generate about forty euro of onward benefit to the local community and of course the retail sector employs more people than any other sector in our economy and i think that's something that is not mentioned and discussed a lot and that's all the more reason that we need to support those shops because the amount of people that get their employment from those shops and then local shops along with their employees They use all of the local services. They use the accountants, the insurance brokers. They use all of the local suppliers. The workers there will pop out to the local cafe for lunch. They'll be doing their shopping uh, locally. Uh, And as well, of course, one of the big advantages to shopping locally is they also carry a higher percentage of locally produced goods. So you could actually be buying something that was made just down the road. And of course, by shopping locally, we're all supporting all of the various businesses, everything from the butcher, the baker to the candlestick. Uh, maker and we're helping to keep those local shopkeepers in business. So well done to the Skibberine Abandoned Credit Union on their shop local and they have a hashtag #CUShopLocal shop local this uh, Christmas and everyone is going to benefit in the community if you go onto their Facebook page you'll see it. It's a fantastic video and I discovered la- yesterday evening that the video was produced by JLM Media it is a very talented videographer who's based where else but in West Cork so they're they're shopping locally for their video as well so well done keep a lookout for that as I say it is on the abandoned skibbereen. Skibbereen Bandon I don't know which Skibbereen Bandon is what it goes under uh, Credit Union on their Facebook page now some of your calls coming in we were talking in the last hour with Councillor James O'Connor now we were talking about road conditions in East Cork but it's just at the end he had mentioned to us that something that happened yesterday and it's a decision by Irish Irish Rail now I don't know if the decision has been made or it's a decision that they're looking at in moving the Cork City depot out of Cork City and they need to move it out into the county and it has to be within did he say a 30 kilometre? radius of the, of the city and he is suggesting and putting forward that somewhere between Mallow and Butterfant would be a good suggestion well somebody was in Quickest flat. and you know something I actually thought of it when I was chatting with him and I didn't put it to him and I should have I should have put this thought to him but then it went out of my head uh, somebody by text says the old sugar factory site in Mallow would that not be a great location for a new train depot and the big advantage to the old sugar factory is it has a rail line going right in because you remember the old the sugar the beast used to go right in into the sugar uh, factory. So there is a train line in there, and there's nothing on that site. Tumbleweed blowing through it is all. So, yeah, well done. I think that certainly would be a good suggestion. And then when we were the whole, when, when we touched on Irish Rail, somebody else said, Could you ask that councillor? But unfortunately, gone off the line before the text came in. Sometimes the texts are slow coming in. Could you ask the councillor any plans about extending the Middleton Rail line to go further east towards Yawl? And with the amount of traffic that's on our roads at the moment, that is something we so have to look at. We so have to look at public transport, extending the 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 trains, putting on extra trains, putting on extra buses and get us out of our cars and get us onto public transport. I mean, the other day somebody again was, was bemoaning the fact in West Cork, when you look at the amount of traffic in West Cork, somebody was talking about how they felt sorry for everybody that has to do that daily commute from West Cork and the amount of traffic heading out of West Cork in the morning and then heading back in the evening. If you are a regular commuter out of West Cork you'll know what it's like when you get as far as Inishan and you can be stuck in a massive tailback of traffic. Uh, And it's, you know, it just adds, completely adds to somebody's day, puts extra time on on both ends and makes a working day much, much longer. And when we started talking about that, the amount of people that came on and uh, said, you know, what a sad, sad day it was for West Cork when they got rid of the railway line. At the time, they thought it was progress. My God, how wrong they actually were. Uh, Tom, thank you for your text. Um, Tom says, uh, hi, Patricia, they need to fix the roads. Use Instead of giving money to the FAI, says Tom, use the money instead to fix the roads. Well, certainly Shane Ross is, is not in favour of giving money to the FAI. I mean, I think he'll let the whole thing go. I think we'll end up with no Irish soccer team listening to Shane Ross. He's not for bailing them out for sure. Did I hear that that figure of 55 million, remember the shock figure we had last week when we discovered that the FAI owns 55 million. Did I hear yesterday that actually went up to 61 million? That there's actually extra. It's just that 's a story that certainly is not going away. It just seems to be getting uh, worse uh, for sure eighteen fifty three 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 one oh three now we are in a couple of minutes uh, going to talk about South Dock and how we're hearing from one doctor. It's stumbling from crisis to crisis. Vera in Mallow contacted us to say she rang South Dock. Now, I don't know when this happened or how long ago this happened, but at five past six. And do they come on duty at six o'clock? I think they do, but anyway, Vera said she rang at 6.05 and got through to the operator in South Dock who said, okay, took the details and said a nurse will call you back, um, but did say that there was a large volume of calls already gone in, even though if they opened at 6, and within five minutes would they have that many calls? Anyway, um, I rang. Vera ended up having to ring back three times because nobody was calling her back. Eventually, at 11 o'clock that night, a nurse rang back and I don't know what Vera's The problem in Vera's house was but they wanted a doctor to come out to the house And she was told, no, sorry, there's no doctor available to come out to the house. And the operator said there was a huge volume of calls. The nurse said that she still had to get through. Uh, The calls had been coming in, obviously, all evening. Vera's making the point if there was doctors or more doctors available, surely they could have got through those calls. Vera ended up not seeing any doctor from South Dock for the entire night. And they ended up the following morning, Having to go to accident and emergency. Wow! Now she did say everybody was really pleasant at South Doc. They were under huge pressure, but there was simply no doctor available, and that's what we have been hearing. I think since the start of December we started getting calls in from people saying, oh, I rang South Dock last night there was no doctor available and I kept disputing and saying that couldn't happen. There has to be a doctor available on South Dock and I was saying, oh, maybe they got called out to an emergency but should they be back in an hour or two and people were adamant. They were told, no, they got through to no doctor at all and there was no doctor available and they had to wait and then go to their own doctor the next day or in the case of Vera ending up in the accident in an emergency and the whole idea of South Dock is it's an out of hours GP service GP being the key, there should be a GP available. So we'll speak with with one of our own Cork doctors who's also bemoaning the fact of things are not working well at South Dock and what needs to be done. Can I give a word of warning to businesses and to all of us as shoppers? This is a piece I'm picking up from Bill Brown in the Corkman newspaper out today. The Gardaí are warning in North Cork Warning public and business owners to be on the alert for very high quality dud 20 euro notes, which are believed to be circulating in the North Cork area. Now, according to Bill Brown in the Corkman, a number of notes have already been passed across counters over the last couple of uh, weeks. And the. The Gardi feel sure they'll continue to be in circulation over the festive period. Now, they're being described as really good quality, very difficult to tell them from the real thing. They're using high quality paper. They have all of the distinctive marks that you would expect on the real note. They've even managed to get the metal strip in it, which was one of the things you could always tell a dud note, the metal strip would be in it. The only obvious difference is, is the watermark, the genuine note. You know, when you hold it up to the light, you'll see the watermark. There's no watermark. They've still not managed to be able to do a good counterfeit on the watermark. But, you know, every 20 euro note, you're going to be holding it up to the light. There's another noticeable difference as well in that the serial numbers are all the same. Now, who checks serial numbers, says you. And I assume that these fraudsters will box clever and they won't hand in two of the 20 euro notes for fear somebody would check that the serial numbers were the same on both. So the message going out to the traders is to look out for people buying small items with a high denomination note. Usually what happens there, that's what I'm surprised to hear are 20 euro notes. So usually 50 euro notes and then somebody will go in and they might buy an item that's maybe one or two euros at most and hand in a 50 euro note. Then of course they've done really well because they've got rid really of the 50 euro note and they've got the change. They've got whatever the small item was and they've got the change back, which are genuine notes. But these are 20 euro notes at the moment Guardi say they've no way of working out exactly how many of them are in circulation. They've come across a number of them, but of course, not everybody reports a Dodge If you've just won 20 euro notes, they're not always reported to the Guardi, so they're just giving it out as a word of warning. And they're also, by the way, warning people to be extra vigilant. Extra careful when you're taking out money or depositing large sums of money at this time of year. And they're very aware of opportunistic gangs who target people who are drawing cash. You know, if you're at an ATM machine and then follow them in the hope that they let their guard down. And then they might steal somebody's handbag or might steal somebody's wallet. And they're also saying to business owners, be careful when they're taking, you know, large takings. This is the time of the year when businesses make their money and there's a you know, lot of money out there. So you do need to be careful because it's your Money, and we want you to hang on to it, and we don't want it, to get it getting into the criminals' hands. No doubt, we'll have more about that, about fake notes in our garter file later on in this hour.
0: C103 Jobs.
2: With Hewitt College, now enrolling for Christmas Junior and Leaving Certificate Revision courses. Your success is built on their experience. See hewittcollege.ie.
1: Welders, pipe fitters, fabricators, steel directors, and construction workers, that's, they're all wanted for projects which will be starting next year in 2020. You need to have all your up-to-date certs, uh, please. A delivery driver wanted for a busy takeaway in Bandon. Full clean driver's licence uh, essential. Um, essential. Forno Tiles and Timber, they're hiring an experienced showroom salesperson. That's for their cork store. And a person wanted for general duties, including power washing need to be over 25. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
0: We're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local mace. Going the extra smile this Christmas and wishing you a stocking full of happiness. Cork today
2: on C103. With Cork City Council and Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration. Food markets, Ferris wheel and a fun festive park on the Grand Parade. Visit Glow. Open every weekend until Christmas.
6: My favourite thing about Glow is going into Bishop Lucy Park and then afterwards going out to get a hot chocolate in the market.
2: Cork at Christmas is amazing.
6: I love going to the markets and everything.
2: Crepes and mini donuts and then heading on to the Ferris wheel.
6: Join C103
0: for the return of Glow. A Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade. Every weekend until December 22nd.
2: Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park, magically lit by Doucher Puppets and transformed into a Christmas wonderland where Santa is bringing the National Elf Test Centre.
0: Take in the Beautiful city views from the Ferris, wheel. the Ferris wheel. Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment.
2: Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade,
0: presented by Cork City Council, The Echo and C103. In
1: recent weeks, we have received many calls from listeners who are frustrated because they cannot always access the South Dock service, which is the out of hours GP service. My Cork doctor G- My Cork ie, Dr Nick Flynn says the service is stumbling from crisis to crisis and uh, Dr Nick Flynn joins me Good morning to you Nick
7: Good morning Patricia uh,
1: um, Firstly, why is there such an unprecedented demand for South Dock at the moment?
7: Um, I, well I think we've, we've, there are, are a lot of reasons for that but principally it comes down to capacity uh, in general practice to see patients so how many available appointments we have And it starts with how many available daytime appointments we have. So what we're seeing is uh, an increase in the population of the country. It's it's at one of the highest levels ever. And we're seeing an increasing uh, number of elderly people in that population. So people are living into old age and late old age like never before. And and both of those factors mean that there's increased demand for, for, uh, for appointments. But also medical care has become more complicated over the last 10, 15 years, which is... Uh, of course, creating more demand for appointments. And what's happening is that that is occurring in the face of government policy, introducing the under-six free GP care without considering its effect on capacity, where we've seen the visits from the under-six um, patients increase from an average of three a year to six years, so really doubling without any measurable improvement in their health outcomes or their health overall. And and so we've got all those things kind of that are increasing demand on capacity, and then on the other side of the seesaw, we've got the perfect tsunami where we've got the number of GPs who are working in the country on the decrease due to retirements and immigration. So it comes down to capacity principally and the daytime services over capacity. And appointments, as your listeners will be well aware, are, are hard to go. And we're heading to the UK model where there are waits of days and some some practices weeks for for appointments. And in that situation, where you can't access your GP during the day people who are unwell with acute things like you know colds and flus and chest infections those appointments will then naturally spill into the out of hours
1: and the out, the out of hours the South Dock service was never set up to take
7: you the overflow absolutely bang on uh, Patricia so South Dock was set up 15 years ago and really it was before the current um, I suppose if you call it a crisis it is a crisis really Um came to fruition. It was before uh, the 2007-2008 um, decrease in funding to general practice, which really we're seeing the, the, the results of now in, in, in the decrease in availability of services. But So South is 15 years old, and when South was set up, it was set up and it was fit for purpose. But we had a different model of care then in that patients were, uh, I suppose, accessing care differently, and it was possible to see your GP during the day, and, and, and same-day appointments was something the Irish general practice always Prided itself on. And like when doctors were at meetings, we would often comment, like over the last number of years, how in the UK you couldn't see a GP the same day, but it was still something that we could do. But quite genuinely, government policy has driven those same day appointments out the window. And very shortly, a same day appointment will be a thing of the past, I would think.
1: It's incredible. It's yeah, just, it is, it, is. Uh, it's, it is just incredible. Okay, so, so the South Stock Service as it runs is. Is it all the local GPs or the doctors? You just do sh- different shifts. Is that how it yeah. works?
7: So, so you sign up. So it, 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 the south doc is uh, covering kind of the south west of the country, and it divides up into different cells. And the doctors in those geographical areas um, do their own shifts between, say, six and eleven or six and ten weekdays, and, and it varies between nine and eleven at weekends. And then what we call the red eye, or the night shifts, are, are covered by, in the main locum doctors, uh, say in the city cells, there's two locum doctors on, and uh, in the, in the, anything in the country cells. It's one doctor with one of the local doctors, second on if there's an issue where a second doctor is needed. So, like, I mean, if you, and if you think about that, doctors are really, I and mean, quite genuinely, working very hard during the day, um, and maybe you might see 50 patients during the day, or 40 patients during the day if you're busy, busy surgery. And then like, I was on South Doc last night um, and between 6 and 11 I saw another 22 patients. So really it's it's it, it's as much as it's the output per doctor really I, I would think is as much as can be expected. The problem is that the, as I say, policy has increased demand but also policy has meant that our doctors have retired early and some of our doctors have emigrated. But my own practice, uh, especially the training practice, which means we train uh, GPs, uh, qualified doctors who are training to become GPs, and we've seen over the last 10 years, uh, at least four of our 10 uh, trained doctors, or so doctors who have trained with us, have gone on to immigrate. So like, the, so the, the capacity... Can
1: you has, understand why?
7: Well, they, they they've told us why, really, you know. Uh, and they tell us, one, it's because they, they're frustrated working in a system where they can't create care plans for their patients. And what that means is that when they want to get a test, be it an X-ray or be it a scan, that the system frustrates them and they wait months for the, for, for to get the scan. They wait, wait months to get the result. And they're frustrated that they can't when they want a specialist opinion. that's I mean, it's a joke. I mean, if I want to get an orthopedic opinion on a patient of mine, three years. John, uh-huh. If, I, if uh-huh. I have an elderly patient with cataracts, you know, three, four years, you know, and they're getting the, the cataract bust to Belfast, the, the the young doctors are quite rightly voting on their feet saying, you know, we don't want to work in that system that's just demoralising, we don't want to do it and, and and they have left So the system is broken and it needs to be fixed um, the, the other thing that they told us because they have given us feedback on why they've left is that they, said they felt that they weren't valued in the system so that, that, that government policy and, and successive governments have made them feel part of the problem rather than part of the solution and then the final one is the enumeration, I mean it is an important factor but it's actually the last thing they tell us and why they've left
1: Yeah and so, what's the solution to to the South well, Dock I
7: think service? For the, for the South Dock ser- service, is there has to be a shift in in government policy and HSE policy policy in how that they structure services. So, Simon Harris recently uh, announced his winter ready plan,
1: yeah,
7: and it was laudable. But do you know how much there was to support general practice to support the the functioning part of the health service? that will stop patients or that might be able to stop patients accessing the expensive part, secondary care or hospital part of the health service, that that that, that during practice part got zero funding and zero mentions in the Winter Ready Plan. So, you know, things that could help, like maybe, you know, an extension of the the community intervention team services or provision of nurses to the out of hours services, there are things which could help us see more patients and see patients more efficiently. But, but there's no funding for us. They get completely ignored. You know, So there has to be a, like, a shift in how um, the system is organised and a shift in how funding is organised towards general practice. And in a way, I think that the doctors themselves, both hospital and in the, in, in the community, need to be trusted to manage those budgets because we know how we can get patients seen safely through the system.
1: Yeah, and so when we had listeners contacting us, Nick, saying that they rang South Doctor, be told there was no doctor available, and I was thinking, defending it, saying that can't happen. There has to be a doctor available. It's the South Talk service. Is it possible that you ring and there's no doctor there?
7: Um, that's, that 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 that, should, that shouldn't happen, but I, I know that it has happened. So I know that there there have been times when again to just explain to listeners what we call the red eye, which is the night shift. There have been times in the country cells when there haven't been doctors, and in particular cells for the night shift. Uh, it's happened twice recently, and that those patients have been referred to the city. Um, so yeah, yeah, the,
1: yeah. That happened in one case, and yeah, somebody else was told yeah, yeah, just to, so, so just to go I mean, to A and E, but she said she yeah, didn't. A and E was the last place she wanted well, to go.
7: Well, well, I mean, and again, that's that's the that's the system failing, really. Yeah. But, I mean, coming back then to what's the solution? Like our GP contract, albeit that there were add-ons this year, which. I think actually are, are, are quite good and, and, and will have their own purpose and work well but the, the core GP contract is 40 years old so if for for, for listeners if if listeners just imagine the television they had in their house it was 40 like, years uh, old in 1980 like probably they never yeah. wrote a troll and now you can get you know you can download a, a film to your television whatever yeah. so so the contract we have is designed for that old television 40 years ago that had no remote control and we're trying to work on a system where the television can download the the, 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 the you know, movies and stuff so basically our our contract is old and not fit for purpose it, it really you know it, it, it doesn't uh, allow us to provide modern care to patients, and it certainly when it comes to the out of hours the, the contract states and it 's as vague as that your g p should be contactable or available through contact out of hours it doesn't it doesn 't actually give the g p um that say it states the g p has to see you out of hours you know so so there there are practices around the country that are not part of um co-ops where they do telephone triage only mm. um, and anybody who, who's triaged that can't wait till the morning are, are, are sent to the and, you know That's not a system we have with any of the practices in Cork but it really does like, The out of hours needs its own solution. There's a lot of doctors who want uh, it to be uncoupled from our main contract and, and so doctors who want to work out of hours can apply for separate contracts for that. Yeah, That's the way it works in the yeah. UK um, and that there may be some merit that's in that but, a- but certainly it needs a central, you know, um,
1: something needs to happen because understand. it is it is you know it is as you say it's stumbling from crisis to crisis and to me Nick it looks to me like this is just further evidence of a health care crisis I mean just oh, in no, the pa- but in the papers today you know I mean there's there's a doctor from CUH he's a consultant in emergency medicine Dr. Conor DC, saying how Cork University Hospital very difficult for both patients and staff and then in the Irish Times and I had to do a double take on this story staff at the Rotunda Hospital in Dublin have started an online fundraiser to raise money to buy a new heart ultrasound for extremely premature babies because government funding is not available. You're thinking nurses are fundraising for a piece of equipment?
7: You know, and what's not What's more difficult to understand about that is that it's not that we're not spending the money. We have a high health spend per capita. It's just where where is it going? So just go, come back into the South Dock and just for for, for the South Dock for the for for the country parts of of, of South Dock South Dock is kind of designed like a donut uh, and the centre of the donut if you can imagine would be the city Mm. Uh, and in the city okay we've got lots of patients we also have lots of doctors and in a way the city functions reasonably well because of that but then, as you go into the the, the more rural areas where there's less doctors of course there's less uh, dense population but there's wider areas to cover there, because there's less doctors, there are more onerous rotors and they need something to help, it out, help them out. And so really, as I say, 15 years ago, South Dock was fit for purpose. The way it was designed was fine. There was the, We hadn't had the, the, the retirements in, in rural practice and in our court that we, that we have seen. But now that we've had them, it needs really to go back to the drawing board and look at a roster that some of, the, some of the capacity that's in the city can reach out and help the country areas. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. You you always make so much sense, uh, Nick. I just wish okay. the powers that be were listening to you. Uh, we leave Thanks. it there. Listen, have a happy Christmas and thank uh, and uh, thank you for all your input throughout the year. Thank you. Uh, take care. Bye bye. bye. That is uh, Doctor Nick Flynn. He's a great guy. He's from mycorkgp.ie and they have a s- uh, surgery in Grena. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. John Paul taking your calls. If you want to text or WhatsApp, you can. Actually, there's a really good WhatsApp in on oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Well, it does tie in with a health service in a crisis. A listener please don't call out my name which is fine says Patricia. I just heard you were talking about the South Dock crisis. If you ever managed to get a HSE rep on, could you ask them what exactly is the, inadvertent commas, initiative planned in their strategic plan for 2018 and another plan issued since to deal with the OT shortage in North Cork services at the moment. No occupational therapist in early intervention. The person who was, has the job resigned last April. Replacement just appointed but immediately then out on maternity leave with no cover available. Only one of the three occupational therapies in the community setting are working as the other two are on maternity leave and they haven't been replaced either. When will the HSC lift the freeze on hiring cover for maternity leave Cases and what is the plan to get a functioning OT service for the children of North Cork? Many thanks. A frustrated parent, please don't call out my name. Godness me. And obviously, a parent with a child who needs an occupational therapist. It's just you can, I can, you know, the way you sign it, a frustrated parent. I didn't even need to read the word frustrated parent. I could sense from the tone of the text uh, your frustration. It's just so so difficult and particularly for OT you could be watching a child in pain you know they need an occupational therapist you're not going to get any further, you're not going to get the treatment that you need without the occupational therapist coming in. It, it is just it's truly shocking, it's truly shocking my heart goes out to you. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three and another listen when we're talking about South Dock not happy with the cost of South Dock fees It's a joke at uh, 80 euro uh, to go visit Uh, John Paul taking your calls text or whatsapp 0862 103 103
0: Cork today on C103
2: with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas
0: the C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non profit organisations all over Cork. So, if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary.
2: With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
1: C103. For this week's Gather Five, we're going to ban guard the Station where I'm joined by Sar- Sergeant James O'Donovan who is the Crime Preven- Prevention Officer there. Uh, good morning to you James Good morning Patricia. And you're welcome to the programme now. We are going to start with burglaries uh, starting with one which which to do with tools taken from a farmer's shed
5: Yes, um, this occurred I suppose this day last week and um, on the 12th and the 13th of December um, last week again as I said between I suppose 10 o'clock that night and 7 o'clock the following morning, uh, a shed was entered and there was tools removed from um, that shed in the Cora era of Belgoolie. We're appealing, again, I suppose, to the members of the public out there that have been of great assistance to us to, to pass on any information if they saw anyone acting suspicious there around the Cora era of maybe the day of the 11th or the 12th. To come forward and contact the gardaí in Kinsale or in Bandon Garda Station.
1: And then, around the same time, there was a burglary in Clondrohid Macroom.
5: Yes, in Kildare, in de Macroom, there was. I suppose this was a strange one. It was actually a, a caravan that was being used temporarily. Um, people entered it and they took a, a number of items from the caravan. It happened on the tenth, between the tenth and the fourteenth of December. Again, we're appealing to people that if they saw anyone acting suspicious around that area to contact the gardaí in Macroom. Um, unfortunately, look, there was, I suppose, items left maybe in view in the particular car. someone
1: and looked in through the window, window yeah. Possibly. Oh, yeah.
5: And again, we're asking, appealing for people to to, know, to put away their property, don't have it on show inside in, in houses or in any other areas, and to, to make sure that their property is safe at all times.
1: And an unusual crime in a, in a theft from a fire station while the firemen were out on yeah. call.
5: Yeah, this is kind of a particularly... Uh, I suppose all crime is a a low crime, but this is a a weird one from the point of view that, you know, the the fire crew were out, they were responding to an emergency call, and on the night or the morning of the the 8th, we'll say, of December, when the lads were out on call, someone entered attempted to enter the the fire station. Now, we're appealing for people, this would have been a Saturday night, Sunday morning, um, so people may have been out socialising. Um, people in Macroom would be aware where the fire station is it's on the way into the, the town park there down to the castle grounds so if anyone saw anyone acting suspicious or maybe leaving the area in a hurry or suspiciously to contact the Gardaí in Macroom because uh, I suppose That's a mean
1: crime as well you know. yes. the Look, lads and out said, saving people's lives and Yes
5: they were, they were responding to an emergency call oh. and for them to come back and to, to have witnessed what it was after being attempted in their station It wasn't a nice feeling.
1: Okay, earlier in the month, there was diesel taken from vehicles.
5: Yes, Patricia, we seem to see a small bit of a rise in this again. um, This happened the 6th and the 9th, uh, again over the course of a weekend. It happened on um, a building site uh, where vehicles were left, or I suppose heavy machinery were left, and uh, diesel was siphoned from these vehicles. I've spoken to the owners of this site and we've put crime prevention measures in place. But in relation to this, again... This is on the Domanway Road in Bandon. So it would have been, I suppose, fairly busy at that side of the road. I know there's roadworks going on and so forth like that, and there'd be diversions in place. But if anyone saw anyone acting suspicious here on a building site over a weekend on the Domanway Road to contact the Gardaí here in Bandon.
1: OK, and then a van broken into the... This is one of these crimes that never seems to go away and tools taken. Yes,
5: I suppose, again, a man's livelihood here has been, I suppose interfered with from the point of view that the tools were taken from the van it was parked in Rathmore there on Sunday the 15th it was only there for a small period of time and the van the tools were taken for the van inside in this car park in Rathmore so if people Rathmore would be a very busy area from the point yeah. of view of the traffic coming from i suppose the county Kerry into Cork onto Ballydesmond onto Mallow so people would be in the area if we're asking anyone that saw anyone acting suspicious in that car park there around the 3 o'clock time to contact the garda in Mid Street.
1: OK, and you want to uh, talk briefly about a number of fraud uh, incidents in West Cork. I know I mentioned there was dud, 20 euro notes circulating in North Cork, but of course, uh, these incidents of fraud can happen anywhere across the city and county. Yes,
5: and look, Patricia, we spoke about it all year. There's, there's fraud and scam attempts being happening inside in retail and shops throughout the year. I suppose in the recent ones with the one coming up to Christmas, there have been attempts of use of stolen credit cards being used There's been change scam attempts on younger staff members over the weekend. Fake money has been tendered on a couple of occasions in North Cork. And again, very relevant again this week, we've had a number of online scams and phone line scams from people pretending to be from the revenue, looking for your details and bank details. And as we've always said, for people not to um, give out their bank details. In relation to those fraud instances, Patricia, I just want to highlight there, we have a business email alert system set up here in west cork that has been recently i suppose developed from email alerts to all the businesses so if anyone wanted to join that they can contact me here in bandon by emailing me to to james.g.donovan@gardo.ie and we can add them to them to that list for the business okay. email alerts
1: You just need to be on your guard all of the time and people will be out socialising over Christmas and they might have a few drinks and yesterday we spoke about what can go wrong at the Christmas party but uh, your your night out can be ruined and your life could be ruined by acting irresponsibly and an assault and something goes wrong and drink takes over. So you're asking people, you've got a campaign, use your brain not your fist.
5: Yes, um, look, this campaign was launched in um, September 2016 and again we've, it was, re, I suppose, relaunched again this year with Operation Satira. We're targeting that we've seen an increase in the number of assaults tied in with the increase of substance abuse as well that's occurring across the country. We just want people to go out and socialise um, and be safe and to report any conduct that, that they feel could lead to a volatile situation that can have a detrimental effect on people. Both the injured party can get assaulted and uh, can sometimes lead to a a very serious assault that can have ramifications on their life physically going forward. And also to the culprits, just to use their brain, there's that moment just before they decide that if they're going to throw um, a slap or a fist, that they, just to bear in mind that what they're going to do is going to have massive ramifications on their life going forward. Absolutely. And we, Absolutely. We did we did a campaign there recently with the the winners of West Cork, where we met them all, and we're working together to make sure that West Cork was going to be a safe place to go out and socialise over the Christmas period.
1: Okay. And parking smartly. And I know we're always telling people to lock up their cars because every week we hear of break-ins to cars, and it turns out is it one in three cars are unlocked?
5: Yes. Um, unfortunately, we've had a number of burglaries across the our thefts from cars across the country this year, and the figures are outlined to us. For those reported to us, one in three cars are unlocked. Now, coming up to the Christmas period, Patricia, people are going to town. They're getting their presents. They're getting uh, loads of items that they're saving ye- all year to, to buy, and then they're taking home, and they're leaving him in the car, possibly. They're leaving items such as jewellery, cash, wallets, um, text. Digital device, yeah, expensive
1: Karen, items. They've expensive
5: bought. items, yeah. and as you can see, there over the last four years, there's been 30.6 million euro worth of goods approximately taken wow. from there, which wow. is frightening over it's, four year period.
1: It's so, it's incredible. So for just,
5: Christmas, we just want people to be vigilant, to be smart, and to be careful, and just to be enjoy the Christmas and just. Be mindful that to lock up their cars and their property at night if they're going out socialising.
1: Okay, all right. We want. To, we've got to wrap it up there. You just want. Yes.
5: To yes. Or, or I suppose I just want to say a huge thank you to the. The communities of West Cork and over in the North Cork area of the the Cork West Garda Division. They've been very helpful to us, and uh, we'd like to wish them a very happy and safe Christmas. And to yourself, Patricia and John Paul, and your staff.
1: Well, many happy returns to all of the Garda, and especially all the ones like your good self who facilitate us with the Garda file each week. We really appreciate it. Have a good one, James, and we'll talk in 2020. Thanks for that. Bye bye.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
1: Thank you to Anne. I don't have Anne Anne's surname and I don't know where Anne is from, but Anne has called the programme. She was one of our winners who went along to the pantomime at the Everyman Palace last night and uh, she just rang in to say that they really enjoyed it. It sounded, I saw some of the pictures that went up on social media. It looked like it was a fantastic night out. So thank you, Anne. I'm glad that you and your little family uh, enjoyed it. Now, in a little while, I'm going to be speaking with Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, because earlier this morning, There was the inquest into the death of little Santina Cawley and I think Santina Cawley is going to be One of those names that we will remember uh, from 2019. And uh, you've got to think of their family as they are heading into this, their first Christmas without little Santina and the horrific way, the harrowing way in which that little girl died. It was just shocking. And this is another step in their bereavement journey, having to go to the Cork City's coroner's court this morning for the inquest. So we'll speak with uh, Fiona Corkin about what happened at the coroner's uh, court uh, in a few minutes and I think there's another name that will be etched in our minds when we look back at 2019 and tragic deaths and that of, of particularly of children and that's the name of Nora Corinne who is her parents' I've gone public for the first time since Nora's death. Remember Nora was the young 15-year-old girl who was found dead following a very high-profile 10-day search around the jungle, around the jungle resort of Dusan in Malaysia. It was back in April and she had visited she had be she was there on holidays and she vanished from the house they were staying that she was staying in along with her family on the first night that they had arrived on holidays and it was a story that gripped this, not just this country I think it gripped the world for 10 days as all eyes were on Malaysia for this search in this jungle terrain for this little 15 year old girl who was smaller than a normal 15 year old and of course we, we found out very early on in the case that she had special needs and I think because of the fact that she had special needs I think I identified so much with this story and I think for that reason Nora Corinne's name will be forever etched in in my heart and, and I will always think of her family and I will remember 2019 for her passing unfortunately and I think I remember at the time we were it was August As I say, it happened in August. And in in September of this year, we were going away on holidays and we were bringing our special needs daughter with us. So I think for that reason, I had an even more interest in this story because, you know, I lay in bed at night before we went away, thinking of Nora Corrine at the time and hoping that she'd be found waking every morning, hoping that there would be some news that she was found and everything was okay. And Then of course 10 days later her body was found and then I soul searched about we were taking Marsh out of the country. Was she going to be okay? How were we going to protect her? How were we going to mind her? And like the Corrines, we've taken our special needs daughter, we've We've never not gone somewhere because of her special needs. She's got every right to travel, the same as every other child uh, does. And I remember, I tell you, the lengths we went to, I got so panicky because of Nora's story. When we were going away in September, we actually bought this sensor alarm that we were able to put across. The hotel room door. Like we were all obviously we had a family room that we were sharing, so we were all in the one hotel room. But my fear was, what if, what if I we didn't hear in the middle of the night, and she got up and she walked out the door, and you know, she, I mean, obviously she's blind, so she can't see where she's going, but she got disorientated as to where the toilet was, and she walked out the door of the hotel, and hotel rooms notoriously. I think it's for fire reasons isn't it as well you know when you walk out of a hotel room they close automatically behind you and there's you know boom and you can't get back in and it's just that fear God what if that happened uh, to us so we bought this sensor alarm thing which luckily didn't go off but but that was the lens that we went to protect our little one because of Nora's story it just touched us and I think as I say touched the world so much and Nora's mother now is saying that her daughter's legacy is going to be established with a new trust that's going to help Irish families of missing children. So I was—I really was happy to read this this morning. Throughout the Corins ordeal, a group called the Lucy Blackman Trust, again, it was a name I hadn't heard of before. They supported the Corinne family. They acted as spokesperson for them and they provided practical support and fundraising support uh, for them, for them. And the Lucy Blackman Trust was set up following the brutal killing in Japan of a woman by the name of Lucy Blackman and she was brutally killed in 2000 and the trust was then set up to support British nationals who end up in any kind of a crisis overseas and now in honor of Nora Corrin the Lucy Blackman Trust is going to open an office here in uh, Ireland they have raised more than 35,000 euro out of a 150,000 euro goal and the trust hopes to launch an Irish office within the next 6 weeks on its website it states that that all monies raised will be used to deliver services to Republic of Ireland citizens and Nora's mum Maeve now urging people to donate she said so many people and organisations continue to help them in a practical way and emotional way and they're very proud that some of Nora's legacy is to help other families who could experience the same horror of a loved one going missing through the Lucy Blackman Trust opening up this office now in Ireland and Nora's mum said they have been truly invaluable to us in helping us survive this nightmare we know that they have to raise funds and especially awareness in uh, Ireland so we wish the Lucy Blackman Trust the best of luck luck with that and great to hear that they're going to open up uh, an Irish office, but we certainly think of the Coran uh, family as they face their first Christmas without Nora. That is certainly going to be a tough, tough time for them. 1850 103. Let me quickly go to some of your calls and texts into the programme, reminding you if you've got a pet question, get those in for Jane, please. Uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us you can text our WhatsApp. Anna in Charleville uh, contacted the programme when we she heard our piece on South Dock. She said they've got, she was listening to Dr Nick talking about the situation about South Dock which covers the South, the Cork area. She said we've got a very similar situation in Shannon. In Shannon they've got Shannon Dock, and I know in Tipperary it's Care Doc so it's a different one for all the different areas anyway Shannon Dock, Anna's very same they're having crises there as well she, she was speaking to one of the doctors who told Anna if it continues the way it is with the problems like what they're having in South Doc and, and Shannon Doc it, it, this doctor in Shannon reckons all these services will simply collapse. We, they, they, they'll just be gone. There'll be no doctors there. And then what do we do for out-of-hours GP service? And Sheila says, is wondering, Patricia, the people who are wanting to go see a doctor. Have any of them thought of going to the chemist for advice? You can go to the chemist before 6pm and you can indeed go to late night chemist. A lot of towns now have a late night chemist service that can be open in some cases until 9 o'clock at at night. And chemists, yeah, you're right, people should consider going to the chemist. But Dr Nick said something that was predicted was going to happen when they brought in the free GP cards for the under 6. They started initially was it to the under fours and then they've extended it to the under six. And what's now happening is a parent with a child under six who has sniffles, yeah, a bit of a high temp, not feeling that well, because going to the doctor now is free, they're going to the doctor, whereas before they might have gone to the chemist, as Sheila suggests, and they might have got some neurofentamina to bring down the temperature, give it a day or two to see how they are. But because the service is now free, Dr Nick says it's averaged out that before the free GP card came in for under six, sixes, parents on average would bring an under six to the doctor no more than three times a year because of course they're paying probably 50 euro for the honour of doing it. But now suddenly when it's free, that's doubled. Parents now are bringing their under six to the doctor at least six times a year and it could be more in other cases. And that's just adding to the pressure that's there when it comes to our GP, our out of hours GP service. And it is, it's breaking. It literally is where I think Dr Nick summed it up, stumbling from one crisis to the next uh, crisis. Okay, some other issues coming in. Hi, Patricia, the hunt is on in Churchtown. I'd love to know, have they licences for all of those dogs? Now, I'm open to correction, but no doubt somebody will be able to clarify this. I think if you've got a hunting pack, it's a special licence. Is it one licence, covers The entire hunting pack, I'm sure it is. I'm sure they don't have to have individual dog licences. Now I'm open to clarify. If somebody wants to clarify that, please do. Hi, Patricia. Greetings from Conor I heard you mention a candlestick maker earlier on and how businesses surviving and needing to survive in shopping local and all that. You might be aware that the oldest business in this country is Rathbourne. Candles and they're based in East Wall in Dublin they're an entity that goes back to the 15th century not incredible <laughs> the 15th century and those Rathborn Candles are on sale in many of your local shops dotted throughout Cork City and uh, County so shop local and at the same time you'll be keeping a business that's been going since the 15th century up and running uh, Hi Patricia could you please announce that the bingo in Theo Park cancelled for tonight it's due to a local bereavement and bingo now will take place on Sunday next 22nd of December half past two in the afternoon when the big Christmas draw will also take place. 1850-333-103 1850 103 I can see some pet questions uh, coming in. Keep those coming please um, because Jane will be joining us after half past twelve.
0: The C103 Cork Diary
2: With Cork County Council supporting businesses, supporting communities serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie.
1: Bohabri Comprehensive School are presenting the school choir and traditional music group singing and dancing That's on this evening half past seven to half past eight. It's in the school library all are welcome Convira Fernandes are holding their annual Christmas concert and fair 2 o'clock this afternoon half past 2 actually doors open for a cake sale and much more with the concert starting then at half past 4 all are welcome Nagel Rice Secondary School are holding a Christmas concert with their choir and trad group that's on tonight in Donnerale Parish Church starts at half past 7 mince pies teas and coffees will be served in the community hall afterwards. Tickets available from the school are from the local centre. And Jermyna National School are holding their nativity play and carol singing in Jermyna Church tonight that starts at 7. And Eddie Stones will lead prayer and rosary in St Mary's Church in Mallow this Friday night starting at 7 individual confessions begin at 7.30 followed by mass and individual prayer all are welcome
0: we're playing all your favourite Christmas hits after 1pm on C103 with your local Mace going the extra smile this Christmas for a season filled with magic Cork Today on C103
2: With Cork City Council and GLOW A Cork Christmas celebration Food markets, Ferris wheel And a fun festive park on the Grand Parade Visit GLOW Open every weekend until Christmas An
1: inquest into the death of little two-year-old Santina Corley was opened at Cork City Coroner's Court this morning. Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, was at the Coroner's Court and uh, she joins me. Uh, Good morning or good afternoon to you, Fiona Scampastraff. Good afternoon, Fiona.
8: Good afternoon,
1: Patricia. Uh, I mean, this is the exact kind of inquest you don't want to be at in in the lead up to Christmas because you're just straight away thinking of of her family and, and the first Christmas without Santina. I suppose start by just reminding us what happened to little Santina.
8: That's right, Patricia. In the early hours of the 5th of July last, emergency services were called to an apartment at Elderwood Park and Boreen Manor Road in Cork City. And when they arrived there, they found um, two-year-old Glantina Cawley with serious injuries. She was lying on the floor with serious injuries and she was rushed to Cork University Hospital where she died sometime later from her injuries. And as you remember, Patricia, and I heard you talking about it there a while ago. It was a case that really shocked people to the core, both here in Cork and around the country. And um, today, then, at uh, Cork. City Coroner's Course, Dr Margaret Bolster, Assistant State Pathologist Dr Margaret Bolster confirmed that she had carried out a post-mortem examination on Santina Cawley's body and she determined that the cause of death was um, that she died from traumatic brain injury and an upper cervical spinal cord injury together with polytrauma due to blunt force trauma and fracture of long bones. So it suppose just in simple terms she had um, a lot of broken bones and a traumatic brain injury um, caused by blunt force trauma. Um, Now, the state confirmed that a person has been charged in connection with this case and is currently before the courts and um, they asked for an adjournment until that case has been dealt with and uh, Coroner Philip Common agreed to that adjournment so he adjourned the hearing, the inquest indefinitely. Now, Santina's parents Bridget and Martin were in court today, and Bridget was uh, visibly upset when uh, Margaret Bolster was giving her evidence. of the Cause of death, and um, the the coroner, uh, and, and the case was adjourned. Um, then it, it only it only lasted for about five minutes. Here, and, and that
1: uh, was that, that's that's common, isn't it? That's you know yeah, that was expected. To, yeah,
8: because they have to open an inquest so that the family would be able to receive a death certificate. So I suppose as well um, the coroner told the family that a death certificate would be sent out within the next five working days so do you know over over the Christmas break that's what they'll be getting in the post uh, which is just horrendous and as you said there I mean like going to the inquest of a child is never easy but I suppose at this time of the year as well it just makes it all the more difficult for for a family to deal with and you know the Santina, Cawley's family have been dealing with this tragedy since it happened at the beginning of July. Um, there is somebody before the court and they have been present at the, the district court for uh, that person being charged. And, you know, they've had to go through all of that. They had to go through the inquest today. And, you know, it's by no means finished. Um, we will have the criminal trial um, Next Do we know year. when? Is it, is no, no? No, no, yet. Yeah, but but yes. Yeah, but um, I suspect it'll be sometime, maybe early next year or the middle of next year. Um, and they will have to sit through that, and then they'll have to go through the inquest as well. So. It'll be a tough year ahead of next year as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think the first Christmas, it's even end of the second, the third, the fourth and the fifth Christmas, but it's, it's just, it is tough. It, it, it is tough. Okay. um, Listen, Fiona, thank you. I appreciate that. And in case we don't speak again before Christmas, thank you for all your contribution to the programme throughout the year. Well, thank you. We thank appreciate you it. it. Happy Christmas, happy, to Christmas. You. happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. God bless. You. That is uh, Fiona Corkin, our excellent uh, news reporter who uh, joins us on many, many occasions uh, throughout the year. Keep your uh, questions coming for Jane, please. Our resident vet will be joining us for our final pet corner for 2019. If you have a question for Jane, get it into us. I know she's also going to be offering words of advice on the dangers around the home at this time with Christmas. So she'll she'll talk to us about that. Actually, I saw during the week as well that they was the Dogs Trust in uh, Dublin. I had a piece on it. Uh, I thought very sensibly paused all their adoptions until after Christmas, which I thought was a really, really sensible thing uh, to do. Um, And Dogs Trust, they're the largest animal welfare charity in Ireland. And they've said, I think it was last weekend was the last time they were giving out dogs to their forever homes, and they were just making the point that people, there's enough going on at Christmas, and that a dog is for life. It's not just Christmas, and they've decided that they have closed down their adoption service, and it will not reopen until the fourth of January. And and you know, just making the point that if you were thinking of getting a dog. And particularly if you're getting a puppy, dogs need basic training, they need to be socialised and the first few months are probably the busiest time in the household when you have a little dog and you need to get everything right if you want to then have a happy, healthy dog that's getting on with all of the family those first few months and Christmas time simply is just too busy and they've decided that they've, they will not rehome any dogs over the Christmas period so well done to the Dogs Trust for that and I'm assuming that's probably reflected around the country as well in other animal welfare uh, charities and since the beginning of the year Dogs Trust have received 2,135 calls and emails from the public seeking to surrender dogs with 667 of those made in the first three months of the year so they get the bulk of their calls It's people in January, February and March with the highest number of people surrendering dogs in January. So we assume from that it's people who decide it would be a nice idea to have a little fluffy puppy for Christmas. And then you get not even halfway through January and decide, no, this isn't for us. So at least they are surrendering it to an animal charity and not dumping the dog summer because that's probably the worst, worst thing you can do. But the dogs just say that every year they're saddened and worried by the number of people who are looking to relinquish their dogs, especially in those first few months after Christmas. It's just people who are not thinking about the long-term commitment to taking on a dog. And so they say to people, if you really do want a pet and you do have the time and you do, and the, the joy that a much loved dog will bring to your household uh, they say you know, wait until well into the new year decide upon it and when you're ready then, then go and get it and I think the other piece of advice I always go is the type of dog that you're going to get. You know, we would hear over the years of dogs that have been dumped and dogs that have been surrendered to animal charities. And when you ask why, oh, well, you know, when they arrived, they were a small little puppy and then we didn't realise that they were going to grow into such a great big hound of a dog, you know, or a great big dog and we just don't have the room for it. If you did the planning at the outset when you go to get the dog and decide how much room you have, what type of a dog is a little terrier, what is it that you want or do you have room for a great big St Bernard or you know a bounding golden Labrador or a golden retriever and you have the room for it fine but you need to stop and think and that's where the research needs to go into before taking the dog and realising it is a long term long term commitment and a dog is for life it's not just for Christmas
0: Cork Today on C103
2: with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration get into the family festive spirit with a visit to Glow on the Grand Parade open every weekend until Christmas Eg følge mig, quit denne nede isfar lin. Shaae C103 Air Kirk. Kirkig.
9: Især inden ved vojasten går herre hov Elizabeth Fort, og det derter guider er chandelsne samply isfar. De runde rælt herre hov on sjætter hiesdiag. Kigger at hov guider harne
6: dun hov elorden duen on giel la rælt føls lefeshkent. At hov et dusbordet, så blien shadyag sehæn. Hvor o allin unter, og det hov trusch hun fål om ved stårne duen,
3: Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
2: is C-103. This is the Cork
0: Today replay
1: on C-103. Jane Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, is in studio. Good, af- good afternoon to you. Happy, Hi there. Happy Christmas happy to you. Happy Christmas I to wore, you And I wore a Christmas jumper with a, it's a it's
9: a Yeah, it's a Dachshund with wearing like up tinsel up in and It's Wrapped ribbon. up in lights
1: and it tells him to you you're, two, you're oh, up good. to snow good up to no good I love and it. that's what the dog is uh, <laughs> you're, you're welcome and that's what we want to talk about animals do get up to no good at Christmas because fairy lights and baubles mm. and Christmas trees and tins of chocolates and selection boxes you know not a good combination
9: no, There, it's not Christmas time is a lovely time of year but for us in the veterinary world, is filled with hazards, which we wish that animals were possibly a little bit more sensible around. I think, as you say, like the first obvious one is there's lots of exciting things around that are sparkling and make noise for them to chew on, like the decorations on the tree, uh, tinsel, some of the little soft furry toys that people might have around at Christmas. If your dog is not used to being around those all of the time, they're going to be super excited by them or maybe a little bit scared. could go either way. But let's say you have your happy young Labrador is the classic one we see at Christmas who's eaten, let's say, a handful of tinsel or a few baubles off the tree. And a few days later, there might be some vomiting, a lot of ba- pains in the belly and they have a big blockage. So what I would say is if there's any, let's say, if there's any ornaments that look particularly enticing for a dog, put them up higher on the tree, keep things kind of... Away from, away from. Let's say passing distance. Like, height It's they can almost childproofing,
1: but you're doing it for the dog
9: Exactly. Yeah. I think the easiest way to do it is pretend you have a toddler in the house. Yeah. yeah. And treat it like that.
1: Yeah, and keep them um, away.
9: It can be really challenging. I think just being particularly vigilant as well. They can be a little bit secretive about these things. If you do notice your dog becoming, let's say, uncomfortable, withdrawn, pains in the belly, seeing been uncomfortable walking around or any vomiting that is maybe a sign that you should be concerned sometimes it can be overindulgence at Christmas sometimes it can be that they've eaten something they weren't meant to Um, so I think just vigilance for that I had a friend of
1: mine a black Labrador who managed to go quiet one afternoon and they discovered why I Mm -hmm. mean literally a whole tub of of uh, roses yeah papers and all I mean all. now luckily yeah. started vomiting immediately and was mm-hmm. okay was a bit miserable for a couple of days absolutely but they couldn't believe how much she had consumed in such mm. a short period there. so don't leave them under the tree because no. that's where it was it was under the tree and you knocked the lid off
9: that's a really great point leaving chocolates around open so that you can let's say grab some as you're passing is yeah. a really bad idea um, try and make them at least slightly challenging to get into Um, dogs and cats and lots of other animals, chocolate is highly toxic, very very poisonous Um, it varies, white chocolate is a little bit less poisonous but I still wouldn't give them any of it whatsoever Um, but dark chocolate and even let's say chocolate cake that is made with cocoa powder so some of let's say the the cheaper chocolate cakes are really highly toxic and people don't always think about that Um, it can cause a really serious array of symptoms, agitation drooling, sometimes a very very high heart rate and nothing else so you as an owner wouldn't realise that they were really in trouble yeah. now luckily some dogs will as your friends did start vomiting straight away afterwards and that's really the ideal situation Get because it they're, out of they're the getting system. it out of the system yeah. but as vets we have a golden period of about two to four hours where after they've eaten something they're not meant to for example chocolate Um we can give them a special drug which will make them vomit, which okay. doesn't sound so great, but in the long run, is the best thing you can do for for your dog because or cat. they they can die, they can die, yeah. they can die. It can be very very serious. And knowing exactly how much is a, a toxic amount for your dog depends on the weight of their, their their size relative to how much chocolate they've had. Relative to well, was it milk chocolate, dark chocolate? Your vet will be able to guide you, but most of us really err on the side of caution and say it's it's best better out than in. Yeah. And we'll probably get you in for to, to have them vomited up And possibly even some follow-up treatment Other really, really toxic things that we have around at Christmas Are raisins and sultanas And they're Christmas in everything cake. Christmas cake, mince, pie. mince pies, yeah. Stalin They're all over the place Now, the really tricky thing is With that, we don't know how much is a, a safe amount for them to have Or okay. how much is a really poisonous amount for them to have They should have none Because they away. are poisonous okay. um, Some dogs You know, might get away with one or two raisins, it's still best to contact your vet. But some, it might cause life ending kidney damage. um, And it's really, very serious. So, again, that golden period of two to four hours like, as soon as you see your dog eat or cat eating something they're not meant to, raisins, chocolate, um, let's say the cheap sweets with sweetener in them, xylitol contact your vet straight away time is really of the essence in those kind of situations um, the sooner we know the sooner we can deal I think the one thing I really worry about sometimes is owners are lovely at Christmas they'll try and put things off because they don't want to disturb the vet and that, yeah. that's good lots of things can wait but what I would say is with toxicities like chocolate raisins the the sweetener sweets with xylitol in Time is of the essence. Don't be shy about ringing your vet. And and I, don't know vet time.
1: I know we, we, we've been talking about South Doc and trying to get a, a doctor. And last week when we brought this up, somebody mentioned that they rang their vet uh, who lives 20 minutes away from their farm gate and the vet was there in mm-hmm. 22 minutes.
9: Mm-hmm. Uh, there's vets on duty all over Christmas? All over Christmas. Yes. So as... as veterinary You're practitioners yeah we're uh, obliged within our practices to have somebody who can be contactable 24 hours a day it's, it's a vocation really in a yeah. way it's not just a job um, so we all do it in turns yeah, to make well, sure we're all fresh well, and well,
1: so and well kept you, so, so there will be vets on. You. hopefully exactly. none there of them will get, will get called hopefully not uh, and somebody says uh, get, uh, get Jane to remind listeners uh, dogs with the fairy lights oh so yes we my, my young my young my fellow uh, it was nearly electrocuted one year
9: keeping let's say the, the area where it comes off the tree and goes down into the plug that's Chewing a really enticing it. thing yeah. for them to have a tug on so um, if you can guard it or make it inaccessible in some okay. way that's really good
1: alright straight into questions Mary and Sunday as well this is kind of sad one my grandchildren their dog got killed on the road yesterday very upsetting day for the entire family uh, the children are absolutely so sad has Jane come across this how to handle it when it comes to young children ranging from 5 to 11 uh, Mary's going to be visiting at the weekend and I don't know if she's spending time with them at Christmas or not but yeah Oh it's heartbreaking For children it's it's, a life experience as well isn't it that not everybody lives forever which is a really hard thing for Mm -hmm. it's usually the first death for a child isn't it Anna?
9: Normally it is and and a lot of time it can hit them really hard Um, and for them sometimes they can be the most bonded people within the family to that dog or cat because sometimes it's their buddy it's their small buddy who kind of keeps them company to around the house with them so it can really hit them very hard. Everybody is a little bit different and every child is a little bit different and I'm sure the parents and the grandparents will be very familiar with how, how those children will react in that situation and, and really you'll know your own kids and grandkids best. Things that have maybe helped when I've encountered it before are being quite open with it, I think sometimes people people are very tempted to kind of shield them from it a little bit too much, and now that's a very personal decision. But in in my opinion, I think sometimes being quite open and transparent, but I suppose like giving them a, a modulated version of you the don't truth, giving any, any gory don't give details. the dory gory well, details. Any, any
1: psychologist dealing with childhood bereavement mm-hmm. of a human will say, be mm-hmm. as open be, open, be as honest.
9: And and they will want to ask questions and within reason try and give them honest answers if you can. Um, I think as well there's a temptation out there to, to replace um, let's say so a kitten dies replace it with another kitten yeah. I, I really would advise against that for a good period of time the time okay. will come when everyone will be ready the last thing you want to do is have a, a bereavement of a pet and then immediately try and replace them because they're never going to be the same and yeah. and that new dog or cat deserves the attention and love and kind of on. Unspoilt attention yeah. um, from everybody, right. and and likewise, the family deserves to have that time and if, to be calm and kind of unfettered by the the bereavement that's happened. Um, I think sometimes taking more time than you think you'll need, waiting you're really really ready. Yeah. And I think well, into, uh, yeah, well, well into, into that new year, there there are a number of different things. If you have a little look on the internet, I'm tra- I was trying to think. Um, there is there's a a book actually if you, if you google Pepper Bereavement book I was yeah. trying to think of the name but yeah. it's something I actually read at a conference on a stand and it was beautiful uh, it was a little illustrated book and it was about Pepper bereavement. so it was something you could give to your kids yeah. and read the story with them and, particularly so, I um,
1: mean, and they're, they're young 5 to 11 yeah. a 5 year old is very young a 5 year old is yeah. very young
9: so explaining things maybe in book format might be a little bit helpful uh, off the top of my head I think it's actually by a guy whose second name is Lambert so have, okay. a, have a little look on the internet um, I, I think think, yeah, open, honest, resist the temptation to replace and just try and give them time. I think as well, if you can try and remember the pet, so having a little token around whether you choose to keep the pet and let's say it's buried at home or whether you've gone down the route of, let's say, cremation make sure you have some kind of token of your dog or cat even if you don't physically have them there with you let's say a little lead or a bed or a blanket and for a little while for the kids just keep it somewhere in the house so that they don't feel like you're let's say removing every trace of them from the place Um, some vets I know what we do sometimes is we'll do little ink paw prints oh. so that you have something to frame on the wall So it means that they're there because I think a lot of kids get quite concerned that you're kind of just trying to trying to make them forget about the dog, and a lot of the time they just need to need to process it in their own time. Okay, and I've
1: just done a quick Google search. There are so many. I mean, Mm there's just there's loads of Mm -hmm. books. Goodbye, friend. Healing wisdom for anyone who's ever lost a pet is one. Coping with pet loss is another. When a pet dies is another one Mm -hmm. aimed at children. The loss of a pet, Mm -hmm. soul comfort for cat lovers. There's loads. There's absolutely loads. loads. Okay, so go down that route, and and we wish you luck uh, with it. Okay, um, Kevin. Hi. uh, Trish and Jane, I took my nine year old Labrador to the vet. She is limping on her back leg. Mm -hmm. He said it looked like she damaged her cruciate ligament. He put her on a drug called Loxicom, but she doesn't seem to be getting any better. She seems to be stiff when she's getting off the couch sometimes before Mm -hmm. she starts limping. Now I'm wondering, could it be arthritis? Mm -hmm. She's 40 kgs. How long does it take for a cruciate to heal? She's not been exercised at the moment, which she's always walked up to this, but obviously resting it at the moment. Happy Christmas from Kevin.
9: Okay, so I think I would have to go with trusting your vet on this one. Without examining your lovely little Labrador, it's very difficult to say what's going on. There's a number of things, for example, like you suggested arthritis as your vet has suggested, cruciate disease. Um, It's really something you would find out on examination. There's 101 things that could be wrong and I I would go with trusting your vet on this one. How long does it take? Cruciate disease is a bit of a challenge. Okay. Okay, so depending on your pet, it's very similar to us actually if we get cruciate disease, but the surgical options are a little bit different. So in small dogs that have this cruciate disease, so the cruciate ligament is kind of almost like an X-cross ligament that stabilizes the knee. It keeps everything in place when you put weight on the leg. Um, So you can understand if one of those little ligaments is gone, it means weight bearing is very, very challenging and the knee just doesn't feel stable. So it's quite a a wobbly feeling leg for that little dog. Um, Healing, the cruciate doesn't generally heal of its own accord. Sometimes it will, let's say... Improve to the degree where they'll be happy to bear weight on it because the muscle around it will build up. But normally mm-hmm. that will take a good degree of physio. Some small dogs, actually, because they, I suppose, have less weight in the skeleton, a lot of rest and recuperation and anti inflammatory sometimes they can manage pretty well with conservative management. With cruciate disease, there are some surgeries that we can do to make the knee feel a bit more stable. Um, but it really depends on whether your dog would be a candidate for that or not. I
1: think if you're hanging you, with the medication for another hang while, hanging with the say- medication, but I think have a chat with your vet. Yeah. Yeah, trust if their it's opinion not, on it. Yeah, and yeah. If, it's, if it's not uh, improving. Yeah. OK, Jackie sent on a lovely picture of her rabbit. Hi, oh. uh, Patricia. I have a house rabbit male about four years old. He has a weepy eye. He was on uh, something called Isithel. Yep. 10 milligrams which helped but only temporarily okay. it's as if he's crying otherwise oh. he's happy out thanks and Merry Christmas
9: Bless him so weepy eyes and little rabbits are actually is actually quite a common problem sometimes so I think isothal is actually a little antibiotic cream Um. so I, I suspect your vet may have suspected that it had conjunctivitis infection, so a yeah. little infection from what I can understand um, I think if it hasn't done the trick pop back to your vet they may need to re-examine the eye I suppose like every illness sometimes the first treatment will work sometimes you need to go down a slightly like, different path so, so trust your vet. Sometimes what can happen is their little tear duct can get blocked. So depending on what your vet observes on examination, sometimes they'll need to be flushed. But I think trust your vet.
1: A re-examination is warranted. Okay. And could you ask why my little Cavachon won't drink water out of a bowl indoors? As soon as we head outside, he'll drink rainwater all day long, and it always appears to be dirty water. He's fifteen months old.
9: Ah, oh, sometimes they can be real devils for this. They just get a taste for it, or a, a lack of taste for the running water. Sometimes it can be the chlorine that they don't particularly like. They know the dogs are not just. Full see at all um, it's a little bit challenging because rainwater although like let's say if it's falling straight from the rain into the ground and it's clean then that's not a major problem but if it's dirty stagnant water then that's an issue um I think try different types of poles try metal ones try ceramic ones um could you try harvesting rainwater? You could, but trying to keep it really clean would be oh the right. challenge. But yes, you, you could yeah. potentially, but keeping it clean and reducing the infection risk is, is a real problem yeah. sometimes. Um, because I suppose in the water that we drink ourselves, it, it has products in there to make sure that it's clean and safe to drink and okay. it's quite well pleased. So you think
1: it might be that I just like the taste of the tap water?
9: Potentially, but yeah. sometimes they can be quite fussy about what they the drink bowls. out of it. I th- yeah. If you're really struggling, try a fountain. They're kind of commercially
1: available for cats, but sometimes dogs will go for them. Sometimes it's they the like the splash. Water. That's it. Okay, we've got to leave it there. Listen, Jane, as it's your last one in 2019, thank you for all of your uh, great knowledge throughout the year. And we look forward to having you back in 2020. Thank
9: you very much for having me. And thank you for everyone that sent in all the questions all year. It's been very entertaining.
1: Have a great Christmas. That's uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. And hi to all the gang there. Uh, We'll talk again in 2020. Somebody said, hi, guys. Traffic heading into Mahan from the tunnel, bumper to bumper. It is a joke. And we're just getting a report in of an accident on the Mallow to Butter. Road between new two pothouse heading to Buttovent please be careful out there guys that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Richards with you for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow at 10
0: Cork Today on C103
2: with Cork City Council and Glow a Cork Christmas celebration festive food and fun the Ferris Wheel and so much more on the Grand Parade visit Glow open every weekend until Christmas hello this is Eric Griffin Join me Monday to Friday between 7 and 8 for some great songs on C103 Anthems.
0: Hello, this is Sean Keane. Hello, this is Kathy Durkin. Hi, this is Louise Morrissey.
2: Hi, this is Mick Flavin. Hello, this is Declan Ernie here, and you're listening to Eric Griffin on Country and Irish on C103. Don't miss Anthems at 7 and the very best of Country and Irish remains right here on C103.
3: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well.